T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And with that, that's the voice of Theo Epstein, uh, Cubs president of baseball operations, uh, the the frenzy uh, leader is across from me, Mr. Bruce Levine. Hi, Bruce. Good morning. And uh, good morning to you. It's inside the clubhouse, and Mike and I are with you every week. Uh, We have been for the last five years from 8 to 10, starting next week. A new exciting time, 9 to 11 every Saturday with you 52 weeks out of the year. Mike, uh, that was certainly Theo Epstein talking on Mully and Hanley on Thursday, talking about the fact that uh, the Manny Machado deal, trade, trade rumors, Fantasy land. We'll talk more about that uh, with you as well as the White Sox and the Wellington Castillo suspension this week. The first Chicago player in Chicago baseball history to be suspended as a Chicago player for PEDs. Also talking about Sox, Cubs, everything baseball. 312-644-6767. Text Mike at 6711. We'll read all that's worthy to air for you, but uh, continue to participate with us. And Mike, uh, you have uh, something to tell us as well. I was going to tell you this hour brought to you by Glenview Park Golf Club. Experience the best at Glenview Park Golf Club. Visit golfglenview.com. And your summer home is for great food is Max and Benny's in Northbrook, the best restaurant, deli, and bakery in Chicagoland, planning holiday parties. Max and Benny's caters with discounts and free delivery with $200 or more orders. Try Max and Benny's private dining room and meeting area, seating 10 to 150. Ask for John at maxandbennys.com. Corn beef, pastrami locks, kids' camp lunches from Max and Benny's, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. And Theo Epstein was not happy yesterday at all. Not happy at all about how this is being portrayed out there as the Cubs seeking to add to their mix by Annie adding somebody like Manny Machado or even talking about them being involved in trades right now. And of course, uh, a million years is a long time, but uh, Theo <laughs> is a professional guy. It's called Mike tampering yeah, can't when you that. talk about an individual's player. A lot of this Mike has to do with a slow start by uh, Addison Russell and some people concentrating on that position that he's the uh, type of guy that would be traded. But let's listen to Theo finish up on this topic. Your thoughts on Theo Epstein and the Cubs. Do they need to add an offensive player? Would Manny Machado put him over the top? Are you hoping the Cubs change their mind and start looking uh, at adding on this early in the year? 312-644-6767. Mike your thoughts? Well, I know this is the weekend, and uh, as you said, we've done this show now five years, moving from 8 to 9 a.m. next week. So mark your calendars, 9 to 11 uh, for next week for Inside the Clubhouse and moving forward. But over the years, we've always talked Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day specifically. It's a good tent pull in the season. You kind of see what you have as a team. Now, Theo says, uh, if you listen to the cuts we just played, they're still trying to figure out what this team is. I think all of us are still trying to figure out what this team is. In the meantime, if you haven't been paying attention to the standings, and it's easy maybe not to so early in the season, 
your friendly neighbors to the north, Milwaukee, are, are playing uh, at, at a 32-20 and 20 clip, I believe their record is right now. But they are, they are uh, well out in front in the Central, only a few games standings-wise, but they're playing very well. And actually, had the Cubs not beat up on them in the head-to-heads, we'd be talking about a sizable deficit for the Cubs in that, in that we division. Would. In reality, the Cubs have played five less games than the Brewers. They're down one game in the loss column. So there's uh, easy easier work to be done for yep. the Cubs who've played less games. But as you said, uh, other than, you know, they've been so Milwaukee's been so dominant against uh, the entire um, major leagues, except for the Chicago Cubs who they've lost uh, six or seven to mm-hmm. or actually seven, six out of six se- out of seven, seven. I believe it is. Right. Yep. So uh, you can imagine the difference in there. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Mike, let's listen to Theo Epstein uh, talking about where the Cubs are at and what the, what they're looking at as far as their team goes right now. That was Theo on our great Mully and Hanley morning show, and uh, you know there is frustration in there, but there is still a, you know a lot of great belief. Mike, that's the that's what you get out of Epstein. You remember last year about two weeks before the All-Star break, he mm-hmm. kind of threw the gauntlet down on the team and said, you know, you guys have to show us that we should add to this team because we're not seeing the type of play that we uh, we feel is up to the caliber. And, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, right after the All-Star game, uh, they went on a 13-4 run. Yep. They were five and a half games behind the Brewers. Uh, by July 22nd of last year, they took over first place and never looked back. Uh, as far as winning that division. Now, was it taxing? Was it too tough because they were playing important games to hold on to the division against St. Louis and Milwaukee at the end of the year? There's no doubt about that. And uh, it kind of uh, kind of zapped them probably from the energy they needed and the rest they needed to uh, play uh, deeper into the playoffs. Uh, you know, Los Angeles was the superior team. Were they superior because they were well-rested and ready for the playoffs, or were they superior because they had more talent? Uh, that is up for debate, but the the reality of uh, fighting their way through this division again looks like it's going to be another year of fun, competitive Central Division play. And certainly uh, an improved Brewers team is going to be uh, stiff competition going forward. Uh, here's who we have coming up on the show with the Major League Draft coming up June 4th through 6th. At 8.30 after the update, we'll talk to Jim Callis, senior writer at MLB Pipeline. Uh, and uh, he is all over the amateurs. He's all over what's going to uh, possibly happen in that draft coming up. Sox pick uh, fourth, Cubs picking 24th. So we'll definitely talk Cubs and Sox and draft with Jim Callis. At nine, Nick Hostetler, the Sox director of amateur scouting, uh, will join us. So we'll get very specific to White Sox with him. And a special Chicago Cub guest at in the 930 area. So be looking for that as well. It's a, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, going to be fun. We're not going to tell you who it is, but it's going to be a fun surprise. uh, So be listening for a special Chicago Cub to join us as well. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to uh, getting out to the phones here at 312-644-6767. Matt is out in River North on this holiday weekend. Good morning, Matt. Welcome. Good morning, fellas. Bruce, I have a point about the Cubs and a question about the White Sox. If you look at the Cubs under Madden, they always take off in the second half. So I'm not overly concerned. Um, they're always, their months of August have been out, I think, the best in baseball the last three years. It's because I think of their depth, you know, and he gets players in and out of the lineup and things like that. So I'm not too concerned there. 
my question about the White Sox, how long do they stick with Lucas Giolito? What do people see in the guy? His stuff is subpar, right? He's walked more guys than he struck out. You know, he doesn't get swings and misses. I mean, I see he's like a Chris Volstead. I don't see him being a part of a rotation of a winning team. You think you have to get swings and misses to be a consistent winner? You've got to be able to, when you need to, you've got to be able to do that. No, I mean, his problem is, okay, to me, he throws low 90s. He has no command. I think if you could plus minus and go up down like Kyle Hendricks, you don't have to get as many swings as misses. But you keep, he keeps the hitters off balance. Giolito is all over the place. I, I, I do you think? I mean, you've watched baseball for forty years. You think his stuff is as good as um, uh, you know most major league pitchers? Well, it, it can be. And uh, Matt, we appreciate uh, you uh, Thanks, chiming, uh, chiming in. You're always a great addition to the show, like a lot of our great callers. Uh, Mike Lucas Giolito is, is a question of uh, going east west rather than north south mm-hmm. on the pitching mound, yep. and it, that simplifies the fact that. Um, He's leaving his uh, arm and his stuff a little behind him, and it comes out flat, and it comes out in a mysterious way where the catcher sometimes is uh, looking for the ball. Wild pitches have been a big big part of uh, his game, unfortunately. He's just missed and missed big. But uh, I, I do I do like Giolito from the fact that he, he has the pitch ability and he has the guts to stay out there and, and pitch through some bad times. Certainly it wasn't the other day where uh, he was out of there after a couple innings. It was just another ugly one. And, but he, he persevered through a game similar to that against the Cubs a couple weeks ago. Right. started And uh, ended up winning that ball game. Mm-hmm. The progression of player development at the major league level is so significant for the White Sox. It's hard for Sox fans and baseball people to decide, is this guy better off learning his trade at AAA or getting these innings at uh, the major league level. The the conversations like this, Mike, getting your brains beat out at the major league level, uh, is that that a superior way of going rather than, you know, honing your skills in the minor league? Uh, I I think you can toss it up and back and you can get 50-50 on it. I think if it's as bad as it was for for Fulmer Mm -hmm. that you go. But, again, Giolito's had some success, you know, mixed in with this. And – the other reality is that the White Sox need innings at the major league level, and they're better injuries, yeah. better served by their young guys if it doesn't destroy them. So it's a very fine line. I'm with you. And, and Ricky Renteria said that Giolito and Fulmer are two different cases that that are not considering the you know the minor league move with him. He also said something that I found interesting not, too. Not is right that, now, yeah. That Giolito is always moving. And and this is mentally and physically. He's always moving 100 miles an hour. He needs to try to slow himself down when he's out there on the mound. He gets ahead of himself. He walks too many guys. I mean, some of that comes with exactly what you're saying. You take your lumps, learn the game at at this level, and be able to to be better for it down the road. I think there's something to that. Let's uh, take another call before we hit the break, and then uh, we have a lot more on the plate for you here on Inside the Clubhouse. Dave is out in Edgewater. He's next here on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, Dave. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, Dave. Uh, you know, it's always good to add another bat, and the Cubs could always use that, but their offense is not really their biggest problem. Their starting pitching has been letting them down. And uh, as far as adding a bat, I'm not sure Machado is the guy you want to add. You know, he's a great third baseman defensively, but shortstop not his, his good position defensively. He's a great hitter. 
and you'd be giving up Addison Russell's defense, and then you've got a third baseman who is really, you know, worked deep at third. You've got uh, Chris Bryant. You've got Javi Baez. And he's just not going to be the defensive shortstop that you're going to want if you're at the right. And uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of people echo what you have to say Thanks, as Dave. well, Dave. The question is, is uh, you see guys like Contreras who has great offensive ability. You see Baez who is leading the league in RBIs, has great offensive ability. The difference in a Machado and those guys, of course, is that he is pretty much slump proof. Okay. You're talking about a, a difference maker, a guy that goes in behind or in between or in front of Bryant and Rizzo mm -hmm. and make sure that uh, you are putting up some crooked numbers almost on a daily basis. Cause if one slumps, the other's there, you can't pitch around those guys. Contreras and Baez can be pitched to. I mean, they are dangerous hitters. They are good young hitters, but they're not consistent run producers. So from that person, and they're going to put up a lot of runs. They're going to drive in a lot of runs. They're they're going to score a lot of runs. But there's a there's a big difference between a Manny Machado and those guys at this point in time. And Bruce, uh, as predicted uh, in our pre-show meeting, it did not take long for the name of Glaber Torres to appear in the text line. We'll we'll talk about that when we come back. We've got some more Theo tape, more of your calls. And Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline, will join us right after the 8.30 update. It's Bruce and Mike inside the clubhouse here on The Score. We are back on Inside the Clubhouse here on 6.70 The Score. Next week, programming note, your start time moves to 9 a.m. instead of 8. 9 to 11, Rosie follows us with you usually, Mike, yep. after that. Then lots of other great programming on The Score. Uh, you know, we're going to have uh, a great... Uh, show be before us dr cole yep. and uh, sports medicine show doing doing his sports medicine show he's an expert and he will talk uh with some of the uh, the best people in uh, the the world sports people medical people about sports injuries fascinating great show and we're happy to have it here on the score in the meantime 312-644-6767 we'll talk about glaber torres we'll talk about Hanley Ramirez, possibly. Uh, is that something uh, anyone is thinking about? But right now we're talking to you, and we start on the south side where Ron has some Lucas Giolito thoughts. Hey, Ron, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, the caller, Matt, I've heard him uh, raise that question all week about, you know, the White Sox and, you know, why they're sending him out there. That's not the question. The question is, why would you send him down? I mean, this is a development season. We need to see, and again, those seven, uh, you know, Starts that he had last year. It was a real small sample, but you saw some of the potential. But my question to him is because he keeps asking the question, Bruce, you send him down, then who do you bring up? Yeah, well, that, that's, a, that's a part of it. You're right, Ron. I mean, but the other part is if a guy continues to go out there and uh, embarrass himself or get his brains beat in, at what point does a guy lose his confidence as well? This is the major leagues. Uh, there's no forgiving. There's, you know, they're not going to take him to Dairy Queen afterwards if he no. wins. <laughs> you know, I don't think we're at that point yet. And, and you know what, Bruce? It's not like the pressure that he's blowing games, you know, when they're in a, a race or anything. And, and I admit, yeah, at, at some point, but certainly not right now, particularly right. here because you really don't have – so you bring somebody else up and they get their brains beat out. They don't have much down here. I mean, yeah. other than, you know, with Coltec and some of these guys, you know what? They're going to struggle when they come up. Ronnie, That's what it's, this season's about. It's interesting to watch the difference in uh, pitchability at the major league level between Giolito, Fulmer, and then you look at Lopez mm -hmm. going out there and showing like he's a, a number 
one or two uh, every time he goes out and pitches and gives the White Sox a chance to win. All right, guys. Have a good day. All right, Ron. Thanks, Thank you. Ron. You too. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. That's our inside the clubhouse phone number. Text six seventy eleven with your cogent thoughts for Mike as well. Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline talking draft after the bottom of the hour update. Let's try jo- Joe in Bloomingdale though. Before we do that, hey Joe. Hey guys, how you doing today? Good morning. Um, first, I want to get to all these Cub fans. I'm a Dodgers fan. Um, I don't know if anyone's kind of noticed what team's been creeping up now that they got their leader back, Turner, um, and they're starting to get healthy. They haven't had Kershaw. They've, they're seven and three in the last ten games. They got the deepest pockets in baseball, or one of the deepest pockets in baseball. They got a great farm system. They got some young talent they can trade. I I don't know why everyone thinks Machado is automatically going to be going to the Cubs when the Dodgers they don't have Seager. They're in desperate need of a shortstop. Yeah, Machado's not the best shortstop in the world, but they'd be adding him for his bat, and you know what? He'll be solid at short. I mean, I don't know why everyone's... Yeah, well, you're right. Uh, You're you're right. You know, the Dodgers were uh, eight games out. They were three and a half games out. Arizona's been in a free fall for the last couple weeks here where they they at one point lost 13 of 14 and allowed the whole division, Mike, to get back in. So... From that perspective, yeah, I, mean, uh, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, it's not automatic that he's going to go anywhere. And the Dodgers, as you say, have a lot of young talent that they're going to be able to trade if indeed yeah, and- uh, Machado is, is the guy. So I would I would say that that's that's you're right on. I think the Dodgers would be the favorite to get him. You, and don't you think that would be a good move for Amos? Because with Seager going through, because I believe it was his throwing, his throwing elbow, his throwing elbow, throwing arm that he had to get the uh, surgery on. Oh, I'm sorry. We lost you there. We snipped you there, Joe. Uh, Joe makes some good points about Machado. Yeah, uh, nothing hot here, as Theo Epstein said. Now for a scoreboard update before we get to Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline on the draft. Back on Inside the Clubhouse at 832 here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito here with you every Saturday morning, and it's time to talk a little MLB draft, Bruce. The expert of all experts when it comes to the minor leagues and drafting is our friend Jim Callis from MLB.com. At Jim Callis, MLB is where you find him on Twitter. And we will break down the Cubs, White Sox, and the top picks in the draft, which occurs in just a short 10 days from now. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good. Doing well, Bruce and Mike. How are you guys doing? All right. Let's Good. get to the draft. Uh, you're the most popular guy in the world this time of year, and uh, thanks for taking some time out for Inside the Clubhouse today. Let's uh, let's move to the beginning of the draft. Uh, you have a mock draft up on MLB.com right now, uh, picking out where, uh, who and where players are going to go. Let's, uh, let's jump to the Chicago White Sox who pick fourth, Jim. What, what, who do you see as a viable guys that will be available there that fill the White Sox needs? Well, I think they've got to narrow it down to about four guys right now. Um, and I guess you guys are having Nick Hosteller on after me, so you can ask him the same question, and maybe he'll, he'll tell you exactly who he's going to pick. You'll but, tell us more, Jim, than, than Nick will. <laughs> I, I may be a little bit more open, I guess, or uh, reveal a little bit. Nick's pretty good. But anyway, what I was going to say is it's funny because I don't think these guys are locked in but I think almost every mock draft, at least the ones I look at where I know people actually talk to people and make phone calls, I think we all have been going Casey Mize 1, Joey Bart 2, Alec Baum 3, 
for two or three weeks. Um, that's Mize is an Auburn right-hander. Bart's Georgia Tech catcher. Baum is Wichita State third baseman. I think all those guys would be in Chicago's mix for sure if they somehow got to four, but, but right now it doesn't appear that way. So if, if those guys do go one, two, three, I think the White Sox are looking at if they go pitcher, I think it would be Florida right-hander Brady Singer, who I really like a lot. And, and you don't pick for needed four, but I do think they need pitching more than anything. And, and I like Brady Singer. I think he's the second-best player in the draft. What, what's but, he, give us a, a, the, uh, the skinny on his skills. Yeah, he, you know, he's a guy who, if, if people watched the College World Series last year, you know, he helped Florida win the national title. And he's a guy who, who sits around 92-94 with his fastball. Um, you know, it's not one of these, you know, mid-90s guys all the time, but he can really pitch with it. And he's got a slider, and it's not like a, you know, like people aren't talking about it reverently like they were Carlos Rodon's slider when he came out of college. But what I really like about Brady Singer's slider is he can change speeds and shapes on it. Um, and the guy really competes and throws a lot of strikes. I think he's just got a very good chance to be a uh, number three starter and maybe even a number two and pretty quickly. He's more, and I know I've, I've always been the guy who's who's been uh, on the Carson Fulmer bandwagon and uh, I may be climbing off that a little bit now. And, Come and on, Jim. That he, You're driving it. If you climb off, it's in trouble. If, I know. If I, he's, I, if he's a middle reliever, that, you better tell us right now. I know. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I'm starting to think that maybe he's going to be that reliever, not the starter. But but Brady Singer's a more polished guy than Carson was. So anyway, that's that's what Brady brings to the table. And if it's not Brady, uh, I think they'd be looking at Oregon State uh, second baseman, possible shortstop Nick Madrigal, who's the best hitter in this draft. He's probably the best player in college baseball. He missed half the season. He he broke a bone in his wrist on a slide at the plate. But he can really run. He can play a really good second base. I think he's probably stretched at shortstop, so he'd be more of a second baseman. There's an outfielder from South Alabama named Travis Swaggerty who's got probably the best all-around tools of any of the college players. And then I think if they went high school, the high school guy they would look at is Jared Kelnick, who's a Wisconsin kid. He's an outfielder. And I had a scout describe him to me in the fall as, as kind of a more athletic version of Mark Kotze, and I like that comp a lot. So I, I think those are the four guys, if one, two, and three unfold like everybody thinks they're going to unfold. Do the Midwest uh, players now play enough games for them to be considered up there with the California and Florida and Arizona kids? They do. They're, 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 it's like It seems like every week, just about during the summer, there's some kind of national showcase event. So these guys get on that showcase circuit, and they play a bunch of games. Not only do they get to play games, I mean, you're not playing outdoors in December like you are in California, but during the summer and even into the fall at the, the Worldwood Bat Tournament in, in Jupiter, these guys face, you know, they get not only they get a lot of games, they get to face the best players. So if you're Jerry Kelnick, you're not going to hear like, oh, you know, like it's hard to see him against anybody good. You got to see him last summer against everybody good. So yeah, it's a lot different than it was say twenty or twenty five years ago, just with the way that this showcase circuit has taken off. The Chicago Cubs pick twenty fourth. Mike and I need to know <laughs> who that p- player or pitcher. I mean, look, uh, we we know the Cubs have drafted an awful lot of pitching over the last couple of years. They seem strong position player wise, but uh, do you think they'll go after a position player if they think he's a better? player in the draft rather than a pitcher down at 24. Yeah, I mean, when you're picking at 24, you don't know what's going to be there. So you kind of have to let the draft come to you. But that, but that said, what, what you just alluded to, Bruce, I, I agree with. 
the last two years, they were going to pound pitching no matter what. They needed to get some pitching. Um, you know, it takes a while for it to develop, but that was a goal. This year, I mean, I think they're still, obviously, everybody's always looking for pitching, and the Cubs still need pitching in their system. But I do think whoever the best player at 24, if they think it's a position player this year, you know, they'll take that guy. I mean, I do think... You know, reading between the tea leaves, which is all you can really do that low in the draft at this point, because you're, you're, you're kind of guessing, I think the best-case scenario for the Cubs would be something similar to last year, where they look up and, and you have one of the better pitchers in college baseball, Alex Lang, kind of unexpectedly drops in your lap like he did to the Cubs last year. And I think, you know, if one of the college pitchers like like Logan Gilbert from Stetson or Jackson Coar from Florida or Shane McClanahan from South Florida or, or Ryan Rollison from Mississippi – somehow got to 24, I think they'd take him. I think that would be the best guy on the board. And I don't think they'd rule out, you know, if one of the top five or six high school pitchers got to him, um, they'd do that. But from what I can determine, and again, you're kind of guessing after the first ten picks as to how it's going to unfold, I think, you know, I don't think there's necessarily going to be that pitcher who really blows them away. So, I like, the last projection I had, I had him taking Trevor Larnick from Oregon State. He's an outfielder. Um, has hit for average and power this year. He's a. I, I don't think the Cubs are one of these teams that's locked into like they they desperately want a college performer. Um, but he is a college performer. He might not even make it to 24. But I, I've heard his name some. There, there's an Indiana high school outfielder named Nick Schnell. I've heard a little bit with them. Um, you know, there, there's a number of college players. Steel Walker from Oklahoma is another outfielder. He's more hit over power. Um, but I, I think the Cubs at 24 are just going to have to let the draft come to them. Talking to Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline senior writer. Find him on Twitter at Jim Callis MLB. And uh, Jim, one other White Sox connection, which uh, we should mention too. Uh, Alec Thomas, who's a high school outfielder right here in Mount Carmel High School, uh, son of Alan Thomas, who works for the White Sox as the strength and conditioning coach. But and he's a a high round uh, uh, draft pick pro- uh, prospect in this draft. He is, and I think he's got a chance to go in the first round. Um, there's a there's a group. You know, after you get past, you know, I mentioned Jared Kelnick. There, there's a group of about five or six high school outfielders who are all kind of similar in terms of where they're going to go in the draft, kind of in that 25 to, to 40 range. Uh, you know, Alec, you know, very good athlete. He can run. He can hit. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world. I don't think he's going to be a huge power hitter, but there is some pop in there. He's a center fielder. Um, and I think he's in that mix. I mean, you can, uh, I'm sure you guys will ask Nick about him. I don't think there's any way, I could ask this a lot, is there any way he can make it to the White Sox in the second round? And I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think he's going to go, like I said, somewhere kind of in that 25 to 45 range. I gave him to the Astros at 28 in my last mock draft, but, you know, the Astros at 28, and then you have a bunch of teams with multiple picks, the Indians at 29 and 35, the Dodgers at 30, the Rays at 31 and 32, and the Royals at 33 and 34. All those teams have interest in this high school outfield crop, so I think a lot of those guys are going to go in that range. Let's look at Lucas Giolito and uh, the way that you looked at him uh, coming in, the way that he came into the Was- into the Washington uh, franchise and developed there and then traded to the White Sox, and now the product a few years later. You know, from what I understand, Jim, you know, this was a guy that threw 96, 97 on a regular basis when he was drafted. Now he's uh, sitting at 92, 93 tops, and he's never been hurt. So from the perspective of pitching and trying to be a different pitcher without the extra velo, how tough is that to evaluate and predict down the line? I mean, this is, you know, it's a strange thing to watch, yet... uh, here you got a guy drop three, four miles an hour, 
and no PED connection, no no injury connection, and yet this this shows you the crapshoot of what a draft can be like. They definitely. I mean, one of the things to remember too is that when you're scouting these guys at amateurs, <clears throat> the high school guys a lot of times you're seeing them showcase pitch an inning or two. And then, you know, whether they're high school or college, they're, they're pitching once a week. And it's a little different pitching once a week for three or four months than pitching every five days over a six-month season, you know, not to even mention the postseason. You know, it's, I, you know I, 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 I maybe sound a little exasperated with Carson Fulmer. I, I don't know what to tell you on Lucas Giolito long-term because I can't figure this guy out. I mean, hmm. he, he, he was injured when the Nationals drafted him, which is one of the reasons they got him with the 16th pick. And he had Tommy John surgery, you know, right away. But then he came back. And for a couple of years, like when he was 19 and in A-ball, I mean, everybody thought this guy was the best pitching prospect in baseball pretty much. And, and like you said, Bruce, I mean, he, he was, you know, throwing mid-90s and he had this unbelievable curveball and, and it all looked good. And then you had the kind of like, so 2014-15, you know, he's kind of considered, you know, as good as any pitching prospect in baseball. And then 16, you know, I, I always felt like the Nationals kind of jerked him around a little bit by they promoted him to the big leagues like four different times, and they'd send him down to double-A to get him back on schedule and then back up to the big leagues and down to triple-A. And it was a weird year, not a bad year, but a weird year. But you started to hear from scouts, like they were, they were doubting his athleticism. And, and you, know, like how, you know, can he repeat his delivery well enough to carry his right. stuff into the late innings and all that, which was never a concern when, you know, I mean, this was a guy who was talked about as the, possible number one overall pick um, before he hurt his elbow. And, and so anyway, I mean, that was a huge knock on him. And then, you know, last year, you know, he struggled. He's up and down in Charlotte. And then he looked pretty good for the White Sox in the year. So my thought was, okay, maybe Don Cooper's got it figured out. And, I mean, he's been really, really bad this year. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, they're, they're, they've made some changes to delivery to try to help him repeat it better. And, you know, I don't know if that's what's detracting from his stuff, but I – I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think, I mean, I'm sure you guys do too. I think Don Cooper's one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. And so I think he's in good hands. But I really thought that Lucas had kind of turned that corner last year. And this year, I think he's leaned the majors and earned runs and walks and hit by pitch and has the worst DRA of any qualify. I mean, it's a really, really bad year. Um, And he's a mess again. So I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously talent in there. We we saw it in a seven-start stretch last year toward the end of the year. If you told me he became an all-star, I'd say, yeah, I could see that. And if you told me this guy was going to you know, have like a five-and-a-half ERA, I mean, that would look pretty good compared to the seven-and-a-half ERA he has right now. I, I just don't know what to do with him. But getting back to your point, Bruce, I mean, that's the tricky thing about pitchers is, you know, nobody's pitching an amateur pitcher, high school or college, every fifth day on a six-month schedule. So a lot of times these guys don't throw as hard when they get to the big leagues as you saw them throw as amateurs. At Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline, go to MLB.com, see Jim's mock draft. It's the best and the top information that you'll get out there. Jim, thanks for taking some time on Inside the Clubhouse. Mike and I appreciate it. No, it's a busy time, but it's an exciting time as well. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Good talking All to right. you, and uh, we'll know who they pick pretty soon. Appreciate yes. it. Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline, MLB.com, at Jim Callis. Go to him and find out exactly what your team or who your team will be looking at to pick. And uh, at the top of the hour, we'll talk to the White Sox scouting director, Nick Hastetler, talk about their pick possibilities. Also, a special Cub guest joining us as well. Until then, we're talking to you at 312-644-6767. Your texts, Glaber Torres, angst, and everything else coming up next here on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. We are back inside the clubhouse. 
Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, welcome in. And uh, programming reminder, next week we start our new time, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. every Saturday morning. So uh, don't forget, we will be uh, moving an hour back. Just consider it like the fallback time change that you're going to get uh, every every autumn. We are going to spring ahead, and we'll be here <laughs> yes, with you uh, every week again, 9 to 11 a.m. Mike, um, disappointing news with the Chicago White Sox this week. Uh, the first Chicago player on a 25-man roster on either side of town. Wellington Castillo suspended for use of PED, apologized to his team, apologized to the front office, the manager, the fan base. Uh, disappointing because Castillo, Mike, is a, a terrific guy. We had him uh, here in Chicago before he was moved in uh, 2000 and before 2015. Uh, traded away, he's played on four teams, signed a two-year, $15 million contract with the Chicago White Sox last November. Uh, brought in specifically at the behest of Ricky Renneria, who had him with the Cubs in 2014, and working with the young pitchers uh, was the key for him to be an example. And it's just, a, a, you know, it, it was a, a real shock and a, and a real negative for the White Sox this week. White Sox GM Rick Hahn on Thursday addressing the media, and uh, there there was a lot of disappointment. Ricky Renteria said it probably best from his perspective. Um, you always love your children, and in this case, he's talking about a baseball player that he has a lot of respect for. He says you don't always like them, and in this case... Uh, <laughs> They uh, are very disappointed. This is, you know, this is a setback for the White Sox in a in a major way because of the fact that uh, he has to handle the, the young pitching He's there staff. For the pitchers. That, yep. that is uh, such an essential part of this right now. The White Sox, you know, bringing up a minor league catcher, you know, Gonzalez to help out here, but you know, it's all on Navarez right now to help with that staff for the next eighty games, and uh, it just, uh, you know, it just hurts you, uh, you know, cuts you to the quick right where. Your development and these young pitchers are at uh, your catcher is not with you until August. White Sox scouting director Nick Hostetler will join us after the nine o'clock update, and we'll stick with the AL for a second, Bruce, to to bring you some uh, some news. Uh, a bunch of texts already this morning about Glaber Torres' uh, fourth straight game last night uh, for a home run, or his he has now homered in four straight games, uh, youngest uh, a player in American League history to do so. And uh, I bring this up, of course, because he was the centerpiece uh, of that trade for Araldis Chapman back in 2016 that helped propel the Cubs to the World Series. But Cubs fans, judging by our text line, Bruce, and judging by just discussions I've had during the week, uh, they're they're up in arms over the, the Glaber Torres well, I mean, uh, success uh, in New York. Here's the only question to answer. Would you trade back that deal if you didn't win a World Series with Chapman? Are you winning that World Series without Chapman? No, I mean, not even for, close. even for the trials and tribulations that he had late. Uh, he was out there. He was the man. He was the guy that uh, helped them set up that bullpen to get into the playoffs. Whether you like the way Joe used it or not, the reality is they won a World Series. OK, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't Lou Brock. You know, this isn't about that. This is about final piece of the puzzle that helped you win a championship. So you're going to have to trade quality. Uh, you're probably going to hear the same stuff when when Eloy Jimenez comes up here and Dylan Cease too. Yeah, I mean that you know, do do you need Jose Quintana to to, to try to win again? Is he going to be around for another uh, two years after this one? Sure. I mean, that's what a great baseball trade is, Mike. You get what you want 
they get what they want. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, Torres would look good. Uh, I guess he could play somewhere for the Cubs right now. I don't know what position you'd have him at. Um, you, you tell me where he would play right now. Would he still be in the minor leagues for the Cubs? Well, that's well, that's what Theo had said when we when he talked about dealing elite prospects away. Is you know. Where are they going to play in the major league roster? Yeah, unless you, okay, unless so you wind people up would be screaming, there. "Oh, we could trade Russell, put Baez at short, and Glaber would be an all-star shortstop or second baseman," and he might be. But you know, come on, Mike. I mean, Russell it, had what twenty three, twenty four home runs that year. 20, uh, twenty one and sixteen drove in ninety five. So it's a great debate. I understand the frustration. Uh, Nick Hastetler, the scouting director for the White Sox, coming up, a special Chicago Cub guest, joining us in the 9 o'clock hour. Everything baseball spoken here at 312-644-6767. It's inside the clubhouse next week, moving to 9 a.m. instead of 8. So join us at our new time. And Nick Hastetler coming up next here on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <laughs> 